Welcome to the podcast for Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to subscribe to this podcast for the latest updates and new episodes. You can also search for our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcast, and tune in. Make sure to join us each Sunday at 9 on Facebook Live. Our in-person service times are 9 and 10.30 a.m. in English and 11.45 in Spanish. Also, Celebrate Recovery meets each Monday night at 6.30. Good morning, church family. What a blessing it is to be in the house of the Lord this morning in worship. Uh, it's, the presence of the Lord is here. It's good. Uh, as Pastor Joe said, my name is Jared. I have the blessing of serving on staff here at the Church of the Nazarene as the campus pastor of our East Rockingham campus. Uh, that is meeting right now as we meet here. We are one church in multiple locations. So your church, your church family is meeting right now in the same very similar format in Elkton, Virginia. And there's so many good things that have been happening. The Lord has been up to some really cool things. Uh, he continues to give us favor and continues to open doors of opportunity. And before this year is out, we will have partnered with uh, the town of Elkton at over six of their public and community events where we get to share hope and just touch people with the good news of Jesus. And we get to partner with the town and we're getting to make so many new friends. And one of my new friends that I've met in this season, her name is Julie. And uh, Julie is a very special lady. I was at the campus one day working, and nobody else was around uh, except I saw a lady walking by the windows. And I thought, wow, okay, cool. So I stuck my head out the door and said, ma'am, can I help you find something? Are you looking for something specific? And well, lo and behold, that was a crack. That was a door that was open to what's become a beautiful friendship. And Miss Julie is living uh, right now in the season of her life, James 1. And uh, she's inspiring so many people, including me, uh, within the Elkton community. So God is moving both through our church and through people in Elkton. God is up to something good. And so I, I bring you greetings from the far eastern land of Elkton, Virginia this morning. I, I share these updates this morning because you, as the Church of the Nazarene meeting here, you have a share in that. We're one church. And so I, I invite you this morning that if you know someone maybe on the eastern end of the county that's maybe this campus is specifically a little too far of a drive or there's another obstacle, wow, would you invite them to join your church right there in Elkton, Virginia? Come with them one Sunday. We run the same service times. Our kids' city and nursery neighborhood and all that good stuff is going. Invite your friends and family that you know are connected on that end of the county. Uh, we would love to minister to them. In our Sunday morning services, we have been journeying step in step with you guys through the book of James, and what an amazing journey that has been, right? James is, is challenging us. He writes very pointed truth that really makes it hard for us to kind of wiggle out of it, doesn't it? Some of that pressure that the Word of God will put on us through James, we would just as soon wiggle away from, and today's text is no different. Uh, we're going to be in chapter 1, and we're going to look at verses 19 through 21 today. 19 through 21 of chapter 1 in James. And this portion of the letter reads a lot like Proverbs in the Old Testament. Very short, very direct teaching. He says things like, be quick to listen. Be slow to speak. Be slow to become angry. Get rid of all sin. Accept God's saving word. As we read that today... Think about how you might be doing it if this was a test or a survey. Or if you were being graded, if you were going to get a report card on these couple things, how would you be doing? 
Would you be on the honor roll of slow to speak and quick to listen? Or would you need to be maybe like me staying after class for some extra credit? As we jump in today, I encourage you to open your heart to the word and to the Lord and his speaking today. Would you read with me in James chapter 1 beginning in verse 19? He says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Can I just be the first maybe to admit this morning that I am glad this is not a test? I mean, I had to travel 33 to get here this morning. Like, if you've ever driven that road, everything is angry fast on that road, okay? So I, I come to this passage, and I'm like, oh, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. You've never driven on 33, James. And, and, and can we just be honest that, that there's something within this passage that makes us go, yeah, but, yeah, 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 I hear you, but, but, but wait a minute. Yeah, but James, you don't know about driving today. But James, yeah, yeah, but you can't help but be angry at the news, right? I mean, you've seen Fox or you've seen CNN, James. You, yeah, but isn't it just normal? Perhaps, friends, maybe like never before, we're living in angry times, and maybe we've come to think of it as normal. Everyone is mad at somebody for something. What are the things that stir up anger within you in these days? Politics? Is it the news media? Is it social media? Is it the church? Maybe it's the government. In our passage today, James makes an immediate connection between human anger that we experience and prevalent evil in our hearts. So we need to be very, very cautious this morning, friends, in any part of us that tries to distance ourselves, that tries to say, yeah, but, when we encounter this text. We have to remember that the original audience for this letter that James was writing were Christians who were being persecuted outside of Jerusalem. So they would have been struggling to meet their basic needs. The, the, the recipients of this letter would have been picked on at school. They would have been given the nasty jobs at work. Being bully, you might say, was a way of life for them. They would have seemingly had plenty of good reasons to be angry. But James says, no, 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 be slow to anger. And if he took time out of the beginning of his letter to make that point today, I think, friends, our ears should be open. We should be very alert to anything inside of us that tries to say, yeah, but. Anger is something, friends, that we all deal with on many, many different levels. Our world is even capitalizing and, and manipulating us through our emotions, especially that of anger. I'd like to take a quick survey, so I'm going to need you to participate. If your neighbor's asleep, go ahead and give them an elbow and, and get them back a light. I want you to just raise your hand if any of these things, if you do in, in your normal life any of these things on a normal basis. My hand's up for all of them, BTW. If you ever watch YouTube, would you raise your hand and keep it up, please? If you ever use social media, if you ever read news articles online or watch news on television, 
If you have voted in any publicly held election in the last 20 years, if your hand is up right now, chances are that someone has manipulated your anger to achieve their intended goal. People have figured out how to manipulate individual anger and individual emotions out of us to achieve their purpose. The world is capitalizing on our anger. Every click, every share, every vote, every commercial is designed to get a particular response. The world is profiting from our anger every day. And in that economy, it's across generations and there is no regard to the effects, the catastrophic effects of that anger produced in our families, in our relationships. The people profiting do not care what it does in your life and much less in your soul. James' teaching on anger today has perhaps never been more critical in the life of the church today, friends. We want to take this text slow. We want to allow the Lord to search us to understand the importance and the relevance of this topic in our lives today. So I invite you to pray with me as we embark on this journey this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, we need you to search our hearts God, God, pull us into this text, Lord. We don't want to say, yeah, but, when we're confronted by your spirit, Lord. We want to say, yes, Lord. So, Father, will you show us, search us, guide us today for your glory. And it's in your precious and holy name that we pray. Amen and amen. So let's circle back here to verse 19. James opens and he says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And what has become James's very typical and traditional fashion, he sets up this teaching as an imperative. So what's coming is not for extra credit, it's a core issue. And so we can't step back from it. And, and I, I love the way that the message paraphrase puts this verse. The message paraphrase says, lead with your ears... Follow up with your tongue and let your anger straggle along in the rear. That's pretty good advice, isn't it? That's a pretty high command because our natural tendency is to lead with our tongue, to lead with our defense of our position or why you've done me wrong or what's offensive to me. That's our normal. Well, James here sets that upside down and says, no, 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 no. We as the people of God need to do things differently. We're to be slow, hesitant, restrained in our anger. And this idea of anger here carries the idea of wrath, of passion. You know that flushed face, clenched fist anger that we experience. You might be asking at this point in the message, didn't, didn't the Apostle Paul say that it was okay to be angry so long as we didn't sin? Or, or, or maybe you're thinking, well, wasn't Jesus angry when he upset the tables at the temple? Both of those things are true. And there are instances where anger can actually serve a redemptive and positive purpose within God's kingdom. But I, in a moment of transparency with you today, am not sure how many times my human anger serves God's redemptive purpose. It's normally, more frequently, serving my purpose It's serving a defense of of something I believe in. I'm angry because you cut me off in the lane on 33. The truth is that emotions that strong within us, 
anger within us that changes our physical appearance to flush our face, to cause us to sweat. Those things are never neutral. They always have an impact on us. And that's exactly where James goes next in our text. In verse 20, he says, Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. This idea of producing the righteousness that God desires, it's the idea that it's not producing, anger's not producing the conduct, it's not producing the kind of life within us that God wants us to live. It's contrary to his kingdom. It's contrary to what he would have us to do. I think there's really two important aspects to this, two sides of the coin, if you will, we should consider at this point in the passage. First, anger doesn't produce what God desires in our own lives. God desires that our lives produce things like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and self-control. And and you know and we understand that he has given us his spirit to live a life that produces those things by the ministry of the spirit. On the contrary to that, human anger is, is known by passion. It's a desire for vengeance or control or to lash out. It's a hasty response. It's a broken relationship. It's division and barriers between myself and someone I disagree with. Human anger does not produce the kind of life that God desires for his followers to live. I think the other side of this coin that we should consider today, friends, not only is anger destructive in our own lives, It's destructive in the lives of others. It doesn't produce things in other people's lives that God desires. I was at a local eating establishment right down the road here this week, and and this is normal now in in our society. As I'm walking up to the door, I see a handwritten sign, and you've seen them too. It says, we are currently short-staffed. Please be patient and kind while we work through this season. Our world has to post signs at the door to ask us not to be angry. Because what happens when we're angry? When I'm angry that my food has not come out or whatever it is, I produce that in that other person. And human anger directed at another person, they might feel guilt or shame or hurt or they're going to just lash right back. They're going to dish it right back out. Human anger does not only destroy our own lives, it is counterproductive. It's hurting God's design and his mission within the world. The truth of that text is today that uncontrolled anger in the lives of Christians is detrimental to the work of Jesus Christ in our world. So friends, if we want to see a revival come, we must see our anger go. I wonder today, do we consider our anger? Do we consider our short responses, our shared posts on social media, do we consider them with this much weight? Or is it just normal? Is it just normal? Is it possible? Is it possible today that in my life and in your life and in your circles and in my circles that this level of anger that we have to ask people to be kind to, their staff and the restaurants, that that's just normal currency and God is weeping over his church. It's just the way things are in our world. Without apology, James moves immediately that we must act now to deal with anger in our lives. In verse 21, he says, Therefore, 
Get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. We might have expected James here to offer some practical anger management tips, right? You know the things like take a deep breath, count to ten, write the email, then delete it. You know, maybe distance them on social. You know, all the things that we do to cope with anger, to cope with that confrontation. But James foregoes all of that behavior modification, and he goes straight and calls for heart transformation. He skips all the modification and says, consider the condition of your heart. And this is one of the places in James where he's speaking Jesus. I invite you to turn with me today to Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 21. I want us to just see the parallel in Jesus and James' teaching here. In Matthew 5, this is early in Jesus' ministry. He's teaching the Sermon on the Mount. This is laying out the nature of what it means to be a part of the kingdom of God. Matthew chapter 5, verse 21, Jesus speaking, says, You have heard it was said to the people long ago, You shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you, that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, and that, that's like the empty-headed, you fool, you idiot, that's a name-calling thing. Anyone who says Raka to a brother or sister is answerable to the court, and anyone who says you fool will be in danger of the fire of hell. This is Jesus skipping behavior modification and pointing straight to the heart. You see, you see, people then, just like us today, are happy to draw lines that we don't cross in efforts to feel righteous. Because we'll do something like this. You know, we, we draw that line in the sand, you know, and we write, do not murder on it. And from behind that line that says, do not murder, I can throw darts at your picture. I can check the obituaries every day to see if you made it in there. I can flatten your tires, I can steal your lawnmower, I can do all those things, but I didn't murder you. I didn't step across this line I've drawn. I'm righteous. Look at me. Praise God. We're content to draw lines and make hard boundaries that we do not cross and yet ignore the condition of our hearts. And that's the essence of what Jesus and James are getting at because Jesus knew no behavior modification, no line struck in the sand, if you will, would touch the heart. It took a divine work of grace and heart cleansing to effect that change. That's the call of our passage today in James. is, is not to just draw the line that says, do not be angry and think, well, I, I didn't cuss at him. My language is better. Good, good. Well, my filter's getting better. I, I didn't lash out at him. I, I didn't yell at him for getting my order wrong. Not angry. Righteous. But all the while, we can be on the good, perceivingly good side of that commandment, but yet have evil and corruption in our hearts. We've missed the letter of the law. We've missed the intent of the law because we followed it to the letter. The places that cry out, in our hearts for vengeance, the places that cry out wanting to prove our point, the places that cry out wanting to be right and to show everyone are the places that James is calling us to deal with. James says, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. The, the image here is that of removing a dirty article of clothing. He's saying, get rid of that. And we've got to remember, James is talking to Christians. He sent this in the bulletin on church on Sunday. 
This is to Christians, and he's saying, look, you've got to deal with those heart issues. And it's moral filth. The language there is pointing to such severity of even the smallest grain of sin in our hearts. And he's saying, you've got to deal with it. They're like filthy, dirty rags. Friends, we, we must pursue Jesus. We must pursue Jesus in the call to deal with the heart issues that are causing our anger, that are causing us to boil over, that are causing us to put division between us and people that we might disagree with. We must pursue Jesus in the call to deal with the heart issues rather than simply suppressing those feelings and trying to get by. James says, humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. You see, back in verse 18, James introduced us to this concept of the word. And he's expounding on what it means when we embrace the life of Jesus. That newborn life that is within us, he's expounding on its impact. And he's saying, humbly accept that. Embrace it. Take it and allow it to have its intended effect in your life in transformation of your heart. We can spend so much time, so much of our energy in behavior modification. That if I, if I can just control my outburst, or if, if, I can just, if I can just control my lust, or if I can just control my envy, I, I'm okay, because I didn't cross that line. When we humbly accept the word of God that's within us, that he is planted there, that he is birthed within us, that's when we deal with the core of the matter. What's causing those things? What's boiling within our bones that wants us, makes us do those acts? What can ultimately and what will ultimately save us is not our own attempts at cleaning up our behavior. It will be the purifying work of Christ Jesus in our lives. As the band begins to make their way forward, I invite you again to turn with me to Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to pick up this time in verse 23. Jesus speaking, he says, Therefore, therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there you remember that your brother or your sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. Friends, while our world has placed a price tag on our anger, they have figured out how to make it a commodity, bought and sold like any other good or any other service. While our world has placed a price tag on the anger, manipulating us for higher profits, pushing us farther and farther to accept it as normal, Jesus is clear that our uncontrolled anger is an obstacle between us and God, whether we believe it to be justified or not. Friends, I, I can't help but see that we have a choice today. 
we have a choice in this passage because we're confronted with two ways of living. We're confronted to either live and give our lives to see life lived in a way that pleases God or we're going to live a life that is not pleasing, that is opposed to His work in and through our families, our world, our jobs, our schools. We have a choice. We can either surrender our anger to the Lord and live as He desires or we can continue to surrender to our anger and live in opposition to his kingdom. We can either surrender our anger or we can surrender to it. We have a choice today, friends. I have a choice today. You have a choice today. Can I, can I just be honest with you for a little bit? So part of my, I, my beautiful wife, Ashley, and my daughter, Eliza, she'll be two at the end of this month. And she didn't wait to turn two before she jumped into the terrible twos, okay? Some of your parents know what's up when I, when I say that. Can I, can I just be honest that being angry is easier than humbly embracing the work of God in my heart? Because when, when you've had a hard day at work and, and you've been struggling to get dinner together because bath time's coming at 7, we got to get this 2-year-old in bed on time. Like, that's just non-negotiable. But things are progressing and, and, and you're having dinner and you're just getting yelled at by a person that's about that tall. <laughs> because maybe they didn't, they're not feeling well or, or she didn't nap that good that day. Can I just admit to you that being angry is much easier than humbly embracing a compassionate spirit that God's put within me? It's easier. Just, be, just, just deal with it. Just be quiet for just a minute. Just please. It's easier to have that angry outburst. But you know what I'm doing when I surrender to anger in the life of my daughter and my wife? I'm not producing in their lives a life that is aligned with God's righteousness. I have a choice. Who is it in your life today? Who do we need to reach out? If we took Jesus' words to the letter, who do we need to call and come back to second service and worship differently? We have a choice today, friends. And you might be saying, well, aren't I supposed to be angry about some of the things I see in the world and some of the things going on? Humility is a key point in this message. Because if we'll surrender our anger and humility... then we'll go forth in something that's more akin to a holy discontent. And when our feelings are sanctified and we have God's interests in mind, the things and the feelings that we are working through are that of God. They're serving His redemptive purpose. And that's our invitation today, is to surrender our hearts, surrender our all, to his redemptive purpose. Would you pray with me this morning? Father in heaven, will you forgive me for the times I have made the wrong choice in anger? 
Lord, I, I have produced in the lives of others things that you did not desire because I was angry. God, will you forgive me? And Lord, as you are working and playing in our minds right now and talking to us, God, may we be humble before you. Lord, may we in humility embrace your Holy Spirit this morning. May we surrender our anger to you. God, may we be transformed by the infilling and the purifying of your Holy Spirit, God. Will you do a new thing in our hearts today, Lord? Will you do a new thing as we surrender to you? Friends, as our band plays today, I invite you to continue in an attitude of prayer. Assume a posture of humility today. If that's physically for you, if that's kneeling, if that's bowing your head, if that's standing with your arm raised, will you assume a posture of humility? We have a choice today. We have a choice. Thank you so much for listening today. You can email us at info at cotnaz.org for any questions about our church. When you're done listening, please subscribe to this channel for the latest updates and new episodes.